0: I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Rotalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Al Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We've got the crew here to talk about the developing brain and what that means for us as we look to facilitate learning. Um, and I think there are a couple pieces that we're going to talk about today. One of the the buzzwordy ones is multitasking, um, but really thinking about how instruction takes advantage of the abilities of the developing brain. And I think maybe starting off, recognizing that we are working with adolescents, <laughs> which, I mean, you're, you're probably sitting in your car going, duh like we know. <laughs> thank you for finally recognizing that this is what we do we do this every day
2: so how do you but... define adolescents the way they act or their age
1: <laughs> we're not talking about the people in this room right now <laughs> uh, that's but i think so but but part of that i think sometimes while we don't forget that we are teaching adolescents we forget that their brains are still developing and there are things that we need to keep in mind about how the brain develops, about where our students are actually at in that brain development process that really kind of inform what we're able to do, especially when we're thinking even, especially when we're thinking from middle school through senior year in high school.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it, this whole, this whole conversation around this report and how people learn, I, I it really kind of comes into this piece with this development and we're in. Goes back to the the sleep and the uh, nutrition, and that's where they really get like being so important. And and again, goes back. I said again, the sleep. And I was just shocked by this, and really hit me about how important. I knew it was
2: important, but the impact it has physically on brain development was really got my attention. Brain development, memory, short-term, long-term memory certainly has a um, an important impact on that. And so. I think it's worth having a conversation and really spending some time thinking about um, brain development if we're going to really think about student learning and student engagement and, and, the, and the role that it plays and making sure that students we develop learning activities we engage with students at the right level to make sure that we meet students with where, with where they're at mm-hmm. And also knowing that um, and, and this is this is the art of being, A great teacher knowing that students are along a continuum of that development stage and so how do we find those sweet spots and how do we differentiate instruction how do we think about where some of our students are at some of them are going to develop a little bit more slowly than others and they're certainly not going to be at that, that same stage and but at the same time at least for me and I know a lot of a lot of teachers out there what's the most rewarding aspect of our job is watching those students from the time they're either middle schoolers or freshmen and watch them grow and develop. And, it, and a lot of that, whether we we're willing to admit it or not, is kind of coincides with their brain development and and the maturity that happens along the way. So kind of the cool part of, of teaching and learning.
0: <clears throat> and I think the other question that really comes to my mind when we think about brain development. Is in so many schools there's growing pressure to have students take all these advanced courses, dual enroll college credit, which is great for some people. Some some people, their development, they're ready for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just wonder, are we are we trying to push something on people that are not there because of none of their own fault? Just the way that the brain develops, their emotions develop to do that. Is that a concern? And I think we have a role in agriculture education that depending on understanding and may or may not have any of these dual enrollment or these kind of courses to actually give them a spot to really meet them with where they are to help them gain that confidence and skill development and content knowledge development that
2: we can do through AGET. and i think that's a great conversation and, and, and probably one that we don't have enough because there's this political aspect that's associated with political slash financial and i don't i don't I'm not necessarily talking politics and blue and red as much as saving money and, and, and you're thinking about the cost of tuition, cost of college. So how do we get those, those college credits while in high school when it's not gonna cost us anything? But how, if, if we continue to push down that curriculum into to lower levels and lower levels, and we're talking about brain development, we're asking students to do things that they aren't cognitively able to do yet what's the implication and are, and can we start answering some of the questions we have around where gender related issues, whether it's boys or females in, in uh, upper level classes and how have we turned off people and how has the system given up on some students, not because they couldn't, but they gave up on them too early because they weren't ready for that. And all of a sudden we got students that could have potentially grown into a Victorian who is a, is a high school dropout just because we weren't patient or they weren't, they weren't developing fast enough and we gave up on them too soon.
1: Well, and with, the, like, not just the cognitive development, but especially now the social and emotional oh, development, like, you yeah. <laughs> the frontal and prefrontal cortex, while that brain is developed, like, impulse control for, like, for, for our students, as far as just, they, it's not going to look ready for anything but it's, it's so it's not just the cognitive readiness either there are all those other pieces that it just and then that, let's, really playing and and what let's that put looks a like. cell
2: phone in front of them for 20 hours a day and all of the social interactions and, and social implications that they're not ready to manage those types of relationships and that clouds thoughts and that clouds the ability to learn and and has huge implications and it's not like the, this this adolescent
0: or the student is better or worse it's like trying to have a race car go on the racetrack before the engine's all put together
2: mm-hmm. yeah
0: it's still a race car it's yeah. going to be a really fast race car yeah. you just got to put the whole engine together before you go and race it mm-hmm. i think that's the idea with these students and you know, the teachers may be going around here, folks listening, it's like, well, why are, why are we talking about brain development and knowing these parts and pieces? I, I think it gives us a language to have this conversation with parents, with administrators, with with just understanding of how, about how we're going to present our information. Because, you know, back in the old days, like when I was in high school, yes, there, there was Ooh. high schools back then, you know, <laughs> Fred Flintstone carpooled together. Um we had Ag one two three four, yeah. And so we traveled through in a, in a very distinct cohort. It was freshmen. So we were all the same age going through. But now in a lot of schools, in a lot of states, mm-hmm. it is around content areas. So they may all come in as freshmen and take an intro to Ag, whatever you call it in your state kind of thing, and then divvy up from there. So you're, it's very likely you're going to have, you know, 10th through 12th graders in the same class. And you're going to think only three years difference. There's a lot of difference between mm-hmm. 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. Mm-hmm. So you need to be thinking about how, how they're going to work with understanding the content, talking about group dynamics. If you're going to have, have the students working in groups, having a 10th grader and a 12th grader work together, or it, there's a lot of things that we need to be cognizant of about this in how we carry out our roles as I teachers.
1: And that processing even. like You're talking about all those things happening. How many things can your brain process at once? Brian's one. holding up one finger. One, everybody, one.
0: One, it's the index <laughs> finger. Just to <a> be <laughs> clear, I'm holding up one finger. This finger is the index finger, <laughs> which is quite unusual. It is yes. Mr. Pointer. Great, <laughs> right. it's Pointer. Yeah, no? no? yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yep. Keep going. I hope, I hope
1: <laughs> that gets. Better. But I think when we think about what our students have on their minds, beyond so beyond just the development piece what the brain can process at any one time and everything else that's going on for students when mike talks about the cell phone always being in front of them when we talk about like the multitasking piece of this just the sensory input for students now it's it's amazing they can learn anything from teachers
2: yeah Yeah. well and and two i'm thinking about this and we as egg teachers really want to Coach and mentor and guide our students through decision making processes and we want to give a give students autonomy, but as I, I thought about our teenagers going through. My wife and I always had a rule of thumb we weren't going to put you in situations where you could make bad decisions and, and kids do and, and we all do, but certainly during you know. <laughs> we've all been in a classroom where a student did something really stupid mm-hmm. and you said, what were you thinking yeah. And the reality was they weren't thinking. Nope. And, and that's just part of life and part of growing up. But as an educator, we got to be cognizant of that. Sometimes we got to give a little grace. Sometimes it's a it's a life lesson and, and you have to learn from it and pay the consequences. But uh, it's all part of their development. And sometimes I think we think about that, particularly from a learning perspective.
0: Well, you know, w- with that, it's, I've had the conversation with my my two boys. I I know this will be a shock that I did not always make the best decisions whenever I was growing up.
1: No. So when are
0: you going (laughs) to (laughs) finish? Probably never. Um, but I, I I always say it seems like the margin of error now for bad decisions is so much smaller now than it was back then, and I think part of that is. Is an understanding as teachers when that student does that thing, is, a, is you're like, how did you make that decision? We, you have to know a little bit about the, how the brain develops and understand you put you put this person in a situation to make a decision that they, they just didn't have the tools for it just yet. Mm-hmm. Give them another year, another two years. Yeah. Whatever, they're gonna, they're going to be fine, mm-hmm. but we have to understand how to where where and how to put those guardrails up. And again, using our, our favorite word here, it, it's it's important, but hard. You're gonna have 30 people in there that are all in their in no very different spots. And I think that's part of the understanding of almost like classroom management is, is to understand that, that you really need to be thinking about, know your students, where they are, and, and to make sure you're putting them in places where they have a choice and a chance to make a
2: good decision.
1: I think that's a good opportunity for us to think about how then do we orchestrate learning with brain development in mind and I think how people learn has a couple big areas that they think about here we think about metacognition, executive function, self-regulation, and then deeper and higher order learning. And I think it's the the thing that struck me as I read it is it's not saying here are the methods yeah. you employ. here's the here's the demonstration you give here is the amount of time you lecture here like when we're thinking about orchestrating learning, we're really thinking about what are those thought processes? We are trying to engage with our students.
2: And I certainly think thinking about those. The the other thing that comes to mind, and you know, a lot of times we're talking about continuums, but I'm thinking about middle schoolers and elementary where it's very directed learning and how we as ag teachers can help students transition from that self directed to kind of a self I'm sorry, from a directed type of learning where the teachers in control, teachers manage all of that learning To By the time they're high school seniors, can they move and transition to more of a self-directed role where they can um, think about what they wanna learn, how they wanna learn it and the best way to learn it and, and really manage a lot of their own learning instead of counting on someone else to give it to them all the time.
0: And I look at these and you know, I see the word metacognition. I mean, it sounds like a seven dollar word. And I wish we could come up with something easier to think <laughs> about. And it's always always making pause, but it's just the idea did, how do we teach students to reflect on their own learning and assess how am I doing? What am I doing? What what more information do I have? And and you know, I'm looking at a little behind the scenes. We got our little notes for this, this, this uh, <laughs> conversation that we're going from. Believe it or not, there, there was pre- preparations. preparation. And I I see we're talking about these things for orchestrating learning. And the thing that scares me to death is that this becomes a checklist that a principal uses to come into a classroom. Well, am I seeing metacognition? Am I seeing executive function? And you are seeing
1: those things though. That's where it's like
0: and I'm like (laughs) maybe we've got
1: some safety in that.
0: Yeah. And it just scares me to death when we say, okay, I teacher, I need to see in you know, every 20 minute segment, one time of higher order thinking, no. And we go back to some of the other podcasts that we have, and we talked about SAEs and project-based learning and solving these real real problems. Um, That's where this thing on on metacognition and higher-order thinking really comes into play. And and it's one of those things, you may not see it all the time. And this really deep thinking and deep learning might not be appropriate every single moment in the classroom. Mm -hmm. You might have to do these various levels along the way. And I think that's why we're calling these Teachers as professionals, you, you're the professional to know how to how to prescribe which thing to do at what time, and that's why I think curriculum development is so important. As you go back and you look at the larger plan, rather than just what am I going to do to till the bell rings today? Mm-hmm. How does how's does what I'm doing today fit into them being able to think deeply that I need them to do that next week or tomorrow or the next yeah. day? And I think that's why it's so important for teachers as you're figuring out your plan. Where do you want your classroom to go and be intentional about doing that?
1: Because these are processes you're developing. Yeah. You know, our students aren't gonna just show up in seventh grade and be able to metacognate on yeah. day two, like yeah. executive function, you're probably not gonna see it in seventh and eighth grade. Like
2: yeah.
1: that is very much developing. Self-regulate so like
2: yeah. Well, I know. think I, you know, I, I think there's this is a great opportunity just to kind of reflect on all of those elements and pieces. Um, that go into to, to learning, and how that teacher is the professional, and, and yes, there is the science, but there's also the art to it, mm-hmm. and we could increase re- reflection and, and self-directed learning and all those kind of things, um, but at the same time, if we go in and we really focus on on solid student learning and great student activities and the right assessments and all those kind of things um, a lot of that's going to take care of it itself and and so focusing on uh, the students um, is certainly helpful in doing that rather than focusing on that little piece that okay they got to be able to be cognitive today so did you know that checklist did i did i make them think today or not well if you go in with great activities and have minds-on, um, hands-on activities for those students, so a lot of those things are going to take care of themselves.
0: And so here's the big challenge I lay down for, for all of us in school-based ag education around this idea of, of brain development is are growing numbers of middle school ag programs across this country. Mm-hmm. states like Florida, we've been doing it for a long time. There are people that have had full you know, 30, 40-year careers and are retired and teaching nothing but middle school. I think we run into a problem when we think that middle schoolers are just shorter high schoolers. <laughs> you know, and, and we try to, we try to run uh, an FF, we try to run a high school FFA chapter at a middle school level. And I, and I, just from my own example, watching teachers in Florida, that's all I've been able to watch that are very successful at the middle school. They have a, they have a different approach to those middle schoolers and, and running that middle school FFA chapter than a high school teacher does than a high school FFA chapter. I worry sometimes that, uh, and, and again, I, I understand the challenge that National FFA has. How do you, how do you develop something that big and keep all the, keep all the plates spinning that mm-hmm. they got? But as we look at how do we provide resources and services to the middle school agriculture teachers who are then providing services and learning to the middle school students, based on brain development, that should probably look different. It shouldn't just be an the same career development event, maybe with we're not going to give reasons for the livestock judging, or we're not gonna do this one segment of it. It might need to be a whole other career development
1: looks totally different to a seventh and eighth grade, like they are not thinking about college and like... <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and, and I know that na- the folks in national FFA and the and the folks in our state FFA associations are not just sitting back in their offices and picking the nosy of the boogers. They're working hard. <laughs> they're doing stuff and so how do we go back you know into so like you want me to design a whole other set of cdes for middle mm-hmm. schoolers but you know maybe one idea it's it's not a a meat judging and a livestock judging and a horse judging mm-hmm. and a whatever judging maybe it is a animal sciences CDE mm-hmm. exploratory thing mm-hmm. or maybe a maybe it's not you know landscaping and ornamental and all sudden, it's to a plant sciences. I, I don't know. So much more than me, but they got to be thinking about something designed specifically for the middle schoolers.
1: It could be so scary for them. Like, yeah. again, going back to that social emotional piece, it be so scary. It sounds like I need to decide whether I need to be in animal science, like yeah. like today, because the contest is tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and we've talked about this in earlier podcasts a couple seasons ago is the use of competition as a teaching tool mm-hmm. it means it, a it still is a very useful teaching tool sure. <laughs> but when and where to use it is based on a lot of this brain development and, and is that a, is it a good thing or a bad thing as well as a bunch of other stuff but i, I think it's something for us to be thinking about is if we're serious about wanting to do stuff in middle school what does it look like and those of you that know i mean Georgia last year passed a well, law. They are teaching they are teaching agriculture in elementary schools. I mean, there are teachers being endorsed to teach agriculture in Georgia. We're getting ready to do the same thing in Florida. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna so are we gonna have fourth graders, third graders, BFFA members? And what the heck does that look like? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think yep. these are important questions. If you think about the brain development, that's exploding my
2: brain.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that's Ends up being a kind of a great conversation that we have to con- continue to think about and unpack as we think about brain development and, and meeting students where they're at and, and um, even thinking about how we go back and continually spiral and scaffold the things that we teach in class. And if it's if it you know, even even so much so that if it doesn't work first semester, it might work second semester if students are continuing to kind of develop and and uh, thinking about how um, we have to help students grow and learn um, when it comes to their own uh, development uh, and um, their own um, brain development so that we can be effective teachers. So I think this is another one of those situations where we're gonna leave people hanging only because (laughs) it's something that we need to give a a lot of thought to, and so, I hope the thought continues and uh, the conversation continues because this is certainly an important area to give a lot of thought to if we're going to be great educators in the classroom. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Owl Pellets. We
0: hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you. And we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.